You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. God, please help us tonight. We desperately need your touch. Oh, Lord Jesus, we ask that you'd please have complete liberty. Oh, God, that you'd have preeminence, that your spirit would be able to move and work and ebb and flow. And we pray that you would grant us supernatural and unnatural breakthrough that only you can give and grant. Lord, we desire, in a sense, if we may boldly request tonight even a one-night revival, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to do the work in our hearts that you've already done in our hearts, Lord, even from what we've heard from this past week with the missions revival, Lord, and the great need to reach this lost and dying world with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Father, you have challenged and commissioned this church, Victory Baptist Church, to reach every single human being on the planet. And I pray that they are employing every single means necessary to accomplish this task. Lord, we can't do it in and of our flesh. Lord, we need your anointing. We long, God, for the fullness of thy presence and the fullness of thy power. I pray, God, that you would continue to have your hand of blessing upon this church. Lord, if we have been procrastinating, if we have been anemic and erratic, apathetic, oh, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us a swift kick in the britches. I pray, oh, God, that you would help us tonight to see things as you see them. And, Lord, that we would continue to have a heart that burns, Lord, to keep things most important, and that's the eternal. We long for thy touch. We Help us now. And we Humbly ask, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, Philippians chapter number two, if you turn there, maybe you've already found your place. And um, I uh, wasn't aware um, initially that you had taken on the Gospel Film Project. I don't say that in any weird sense, uh, but um, uh, the Schaefer's there at our home church, Marion Avenue Baptist Church. Brother Schaefer is our treasurer, and Mrs. Schaefer is our secretary for the Gospel Film Project. It's a nonprofit organization the Lord has allowed us to begin and establish for this unique ministry, um, and um, I saw a picture of your church check coming in. I said, wow, and what a tremendous blessing. Thank you so much for supporting the Gospel Fund Project for $100 a month, and with $100 a month, $1,200 a year, this church is literally reaching at least a million souls with the gospel through the Gospel Fund Project. And for about $1,200, we're able to get that video across the feed of one million different human beings, uh, one-on-one contact as they're scrolling through their feed on social media. It's not some random ad in a newspaper or magazine or something that you'd see on a billboard or on a passing uh, taxi or bus, but rather it is a one-on-one personal contact with someone there uh, via sponsorship or an ad, if you will, on social media. Maybe some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. But either way, it's just like going to a million people and knocking on their door. A million people and passing out a gospel gospel track to them and giving them at least the opportunity to hear about Jesus. Amen? And the gospel film, uh, just this year alone, has come across the feet of over 18 million people and has been viewed over 8 million times, uh, just crossing the threshold of 1,100 saved. And to God be the glory, great things he is doing. We've got four different mission boards that have approached us and has uh, volunteered to partner with us. And we're so excited about this because now as the gospel film is going around the world, being boosted uh, in various places and, if you will, digital campaigns around the world, we have boots on the ground in these places so we can fulfill the great commission. Uh, We've got it in uh, uh, 41 different languages by way of subtitles, and uh, the long-term goal is to have the gospel film, uh, uh, each language, to have its own standalone video. And right now we've got it in Spanish that way, also in Farsi, uh, which is what they speak in Iran, also Afghanistan. And they're in Afghanistan, think about this, during the whole kerfuffle 
<laughs> of what took place. Um, uh, very uniquely, the Lord was able to get that video released, and we were able to uh, boost that over there in Afghanistan. I mean, I can't even imagine. People are, who knows where, and they're watching this video. We got a lot of hate mail, but we also got some powerful testimonies of people trusting Christ, 40-plus, uh, um, and I say that conservatively. I certainly don't want to blow things out of proportion and grieve the Spirit of God um, by saying something inappropriate uh, in a statistic, but I know that over 40 uh, have trusted Christ just by watching the video. And the Lord has already allowed us to be able to partner with a gentleman by the name of Michael Garmy. I don't know if you're familiar with him, uh, but I do gently encourage you to consider having him in as a man from Afghanistan who has a powerful testimony of salvation. If he goes back, he would be killed. That's the kind of testimony he has. But God is able to use him to be able to digitally disciple people through Zoom and Skype and reach his uh, people and his country. And uh, he's partnered with us and all these contacts he's discipling. And they've already been joining in on Zoom calls and different things. And I'm, I'm pumped about what the Lord wants to do. And we have zero desire to get in the way. It's all God. And we desire it for only to be God and all of God as we seek to claim Psalm 118, um, 23. This is the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. And we pray that in the next five years, and this is not shooting the moon and, and knowing that we'll miss it. I really believe this is possible as churches continue to take on the project and as God gives open doors and utterance, uh, that we'll be able to reach at least 100 million souls with the gospel in five years. That's what we're projecting forward. And we're praying that within 50 years, 10% uh, of the human race, uh, it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. And, that, and I'm telling you, I'm excited and I just pray that God will use it as however he so desires. Philippians chapter number 2. If you're in your place, would you say amen? You may remain seated for the reading of God's word as we'll be uh, uh, journeying, if you will, through this text here and just focusing on some things uh, as God gives it to us here, uh, phrase by phrase, verse by verse, with the time that we have remaining. Philippians chapter number 2. And before we get into this, if I may gently quote from Scripture, He that hath an ear to hear, let him what? Do you have an ear tonight? Would you be willing to listen? Jesus said there's two types of people that are listening to me when he preached that Sermon on the Mount. He said, there are those who are listening, and they're going to obey it. They're going to follow through with it. They're going to be a doer of the word. He said, you're a wise man. You're like the guy who built his house on the rock. You know the rest of the story, even from the little kid song that we teach our children in junior church or Sunday school class. He said, there's another type of people here, and this is somewhat abrasive, and we certainly have no intention of being mean or cruel, but let's be biblical and authentic and transparent. He said, there's another group of people here, and they're listening. Both categories were listening. He said, but they're not going to hate it. They're not going to do it. He said, you're a fool. He said, you're like the guy who built his house in the sand. We know how that turned out for him. We say this gently tonight, and certainly not in some weird sense. God forbid. We certainly don't want to grieve your spirit or the spirit of God tonight. We desire to uplift the Lord, magnify the Lord, for God to have preeminence. But he that hath an ear... To hear, let him hear. And not just to be a hearer of the word, but a what? A doer. And God has a word for you tonight. God has a challenge for you tonight, just as much as he has it for me. Here in Philippians 2, we find the Bible says, we'll just jump right into the deep end of the pool, so to speak, in verse number 13. The Bible says, for it's what? Is who? God. I love this. It is God. Is this verse past tense, present tense, or future tense? Would you say it aloud? It's present tense. And just as relevant it is for right now, at 2 o'clock in the morning, if God brings it to your mind, it's going to be applicable. Tomorrow, it's just as legit. 20 years from now, it's something that is still relevant for your life. And the Bible says, for it is who? God, which worketh 
notice, in you. Now, this is overwhelming. It's so encouraging, isn't it? God's not done working on me. He's not done working on you or in you <laughs> or through you until you draw your final breath. Now, here, here's the problem. So many times we think we've arrived. And we've lived 30 years. Man, I started going to church nine months before I was born, you know? I got the culture, if you will, of Christianity. And, and if we're not careful, we can start going through the motions. And, and no longer are we driven by a delight and a desire, which should be this, where God is working in my life. And uh, the God who holds the universe in the palm of his hand uh, is desiring to do something in me and through me. He's fascinated with me. He's familiar with who I am. He loves me. He's created me. He's called me by, his, by my name. I am his, and he is mine. Praise God. What a privilege, we can lose the wonder of it all. And no longer, if a little bit more monitor if I could, uh, no longer are we driven by a delight and a desire concerning these things spiritually and eternally. Uh, inter- uh, eternally, what happens is that we can be become so duty-driven with the checklist Christianity of this, that, and the other, and that will ultimately deteriorate into a display. Just an outward show of things. And listen, and this is very radically transparent. I'm not trying to be mean, but listen, and we certainly don't claim to know anything. The older you get, the more you realize, the less you know. But traveling for 12 years, and we're not trying to put some, you know, hey, we'd, but this is the truth. The people who need revival the most are the ones who don't think they need it to begin with. And beyond that, the people who need revival the most are the ones who've been saved the longest. Because these things can become average and ordinary and we settle in our ways and we get comfortable and we get so used to Jesus. And one of the most dangerous and awful things, church, that you could ever have in your heart is to become accustomed to the presence and power of God. One of the most dangerous things and awful things. We should never get used to that. Never get used to the wonder of the privilege of being able to walk with the King of Kings and enjoy a relationship daily with Jesus and knowing that God wants to do something in your life and my life. And, and by the way, I think just as powerful, and, and, and just bear with me as we get down to the weeds on this thought, I think just as real of an awful thing is someone who no longer listens to the pleading of God in their heart. That's dangerous. And for me to sit, stand here, you just sit there and say, well, I'm good. I've been a Sunday school teacher for 30 years. I've been a deacon for 25. I've done this, done that. Put away the resume. Because the Bible says, and I say this with all respect, I really do, in humility tonight, Lord, search my heart, for it is God which worketh in you. God is still working on you. And there is no level of Christianity where you can arrive. Always onward, upward, forward. Always. By the way, never backward. We'll see that shine through in this text. It is God which worketh in you, notice, both to will, to will and to do of his good pleasure. God has a will for your life. He wants to do something with you. And we'll see that uh, here in just a few moments in verse number 15 and the beginning of verse number 16. But ultimately, I pray that it'll wash over your heart and soul tonight and rejoice in your life again and, and, and comfort you and stir you once again to realize that God is doing this because he wants to do it. It excites him. It's of his good pleasure. Brings great joy to his heart to be able to work in you and in me so he can ultimately work through us. I mean, stop and think about that. The God of heaven, the King of kings, the creator of the universe, as we've already mentioned and alluded to that, how that your life and your existence, as you stay moldable and yielded and surrendered and pliable in his hand, it causes heart palpitations, a rush, 
a thrill, an excitement. How wonderful and how beautiful, church. I pray tonight that God would help us, and you could jot maybe these things down. Um, how about this, the right pursuit tonight? The right pursuit. And we sang it, didn't we? Take my life and make it what you'd have me be. That our pursuit tonight would not be what I want to do and what I think is best and what I want to make out of myself and my own dreams and my own ambitions and my own desires and my own wants and my own whims. But Lord, I want you to do a work in me and through me. And please, oh God, I beg of you, please don't stop working in my life. Lord, help us tonight. Have the right kind of pursuit. God, I want you to actively work in my heart. I don't ever want my heart to grow cold to your voice. Oh, God, I don't want my Bible reading and my devotions and my relationship with you to grow stale and dusty and crusty and, and something that's mundane and lifeless and apathetic. Oh, God, I want to sense your touch. I want to know what it is to hear your still, small voice. Right pursuit. I believe this is what 21st century Christianity needs. We need this desperately. We see here the right pursuit, pursuing the Lord and how God is pursuing you, and he's eager to be involved in your life if you'll let him. I pray that you're, that you're yielded to that tonight and that you desire this tonight more than anything else where he is the potter and you're the clay. Don't turn there for the sake of time, but um, I guess I'll turn there very briefly. I uh, was mindful of this verse. We just preached out of this text um, here the other night uh, in the previous revival where we were Sunday to Tuesday, uh, Isaiah 64, you could jot down the reference, Isaiah 64, verse number 8, where here we see his heart just being poured out before the Lord. Uh, and this, by the way, Isaiah 64 is a text of revival, and we see it comes to a culmination in Isaiah 64, 8. Listen carefully. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay, and thou our potter. And we all are the work of thy hand. It shows that we will submit ourselves, that we will be soft and moldable in his hand. And, oh God, do whatever you wish with us and make us into whatever you'd want us to be. Oh Lord Jesus, please do thy work in our lives. We see the right kind of pursuit. I believe this is what God would have us to live. Wouldn't you agree tonight, church? Verse number, no, notice verse number uh, 14, very quickly, very quickly. We have about 10 minutes or so left in the service here. The Bible says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Talking about the right pursuit tonight, the right pursuit, the right pursuit. Oh, that we wouldn't grieve the Lord with our bickering, with our backbiting, with the bitterness that we can have and we can develop in our hearts and our lives toward one another. I believe that this is something that will grieve God quicker than anything else. We find in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4, about grieve not the Spirit. And in the same context, he said, let all wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, all of it, be put away with you. For, with all malice, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. And it's all in the context of not grieving the Holy Spirit. I believe one of the greatest things that we could do to grieve the Holy Spirit of God is to do the opposite of this verse, verse number 14, to do things with murmurings and disputings. May God help us to have the right pursuit tonight, that we would not be at each other's throats. Look what the Bible says quickly in Philippians 2. We're there. Look at verse number 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, do you find consolation and comfort and joy in Jesus? Amen. Any comfort of love, praise God. 
any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercies. Man, if you enjoy this and you're blessed by this, Jesus says, I know Paul is writing this, but God is speaking through Paul, and Jesus is speaking to you and to me. He's saying, fulfill he my joy. What brings God great joy? Hey, be like-minded, he says. Having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man in his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse number 7, how that he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and, notice, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Oh, church tonight, I pray that God would help us to have the right kind of pursuit that would pursue, pursue those things of eternal significance of God desiring to do a work in us and through us. And oh, what a joy to see the cherry on top, if you will, that this brings great joy to the heart of God. But beyond this, what brings that great happiness and delight in his eyes and his heart and mind concerning each and every one of us uh, is this, if we obey what he asks uh, to do all things without murmurings and disputings, to be Christians that love one another and have harmony, have a desire to glorify God with our relationships. How about it tonight, husband and wife? You know, it's interesting, these words, murmurings and disputings, are talking about things that are behind closed doors. You study the context there and, uh, and such, it's all talking about things that are, uh, uh, you know, uh, away from the public eye. The Bible says very clearly in Romans 13, uh, he says, uh, let us walk honestly as in the day. You know how, you, how you're in front of everybody else, you always put the best foot forward? There it is. You're trying to make sure that everybody can see uh, how well you can dress and this and that and the other, and all the facade and the junk. God can see right through it. And I pray that just as you are on the outside, you're just as real on the inside. I know that we let our hair down, if you will, at the home, but we're not talking about let the flesh hang out. I'll wrestle with my kids, but I ain't going to do it on the platform. Not the time or place, right? Maybe not, maybe not appropriate here, but, uh, and I certainly wouldn't mind. I mean, if you wanted to see us do it, you can, but obviously it's personal. But I, I'm not going to be completely closed off. But does that make sense? I, I don't know if that makes sense at all. Where there should be such an openness where I could literally step into your home, and even though there are personal things that are happening, there would be no spiritual embarrassment there. You know, dad's got a shirt on. How about that? Kids got the, the kids, kids are dressed. How about that one? And we're down to the weeds now. Lord, help us. And could it be that we have husbands and wives and we've got, uh, uh, that are at each other's throat and man, they know uh, uh, how to be able to plaster on the facade of Christianity as soon as the car door opens and their foot and the high heel and the click of the wooden sole on the men's shiny shoe hits the pavement in the church parking lot and walking through the back door saying, oh, how's everybody doing? How wonderful, wonderful, you hypocrite. You nasty Christian that needs to get right with God. We've been all guilty of it. How about it, young people? At each other's throats. So much strife, contention. Maybe bitterness or rebellion toward your parents. God says, hey, do all things without murmurings and disputings. The right kind of pursuit tonight. What's the right kind of pursuit? God, I want you to actively work in my life. 
right kind of pursuit. I want to walk right with my brothers and sisters in Christ, with my spouse, uh, my, my siblings, with one another. But notice, moving on quickly, are you still minding the Lord tonight? Would you say amen? Uh, verse number 15, he says, notice why? That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. Why be real and authentic? What's the purpose of all this? So that our testimony is without blemish. It would have the right kind of testimony to those around us tonight. That our children do not see a hypocrite. That our spouses don't see a Pharisee. Those co-workers, you say that you're a Christian, are you acting like one? We certainly seek to claim the name of being a son of God and a child of the King, but I pray tonight that we're not bringing harm to the testimony of God. God would have his people to have an upstanding and an outstanding testimony and character. It says without rebuke, and the old world wanted to accuse Jesus of things. I know we'll never be perfect, but we should walk even as he walked. First John 2, 6, I believe that's where it says. We should walk in his steps, another passage teaches us. He's left us an example that we should follow him and all these things, how powerful. And listen, I know we'll never be perfect, but church, we should live in that spirit of Christ, that Galatians 2.20 life, and with such a vehemency and a fervency and urgency that when this whole world wants to point fingers at you, they, they have nothing of substance to throw in your face. they got to start lying about you making fun of you and all this kind of stuff because they have nothing tangible they can say and take. You know what? That time you blew up and you started doing this and that and the other, they can't. Now listen, maybe there's somebody in here um, that you have a testimony where it, it, things have been a little tarnished. We certainly don't speak down on anyone tonight, but you know, I, I believe it's biblical and it's, it's difficult, it's hard to swallow the pride. May the Lord help us tonight to humble ourselves before him and maybe we need to go to some of our coworkers on the job and say, you know what, six months ago I did something. I just kind of glossed over it. You know, I'm a Christian. I love God. I was having a bad day, and I'm not excusing it. Would you please forgive me? Now, this is easy to say, but it's hard to live. I understand. Parents, what about it? Now, listen, I'm very much against uh, this whole Hollywood concept of parents always apologizing to their children when their children are the ones doing wrong and rebelling. What? But listen, maybe you are the one that's in the fault and in the wrong parent. Would you humble yourself and apologize to your children? How about it, young people tonight, that you'd have that same spirit of Christ and humility and meekness. Listen, this is the right kind of pursuit, and this is what brings glory to God. And in conclusion here this evening, uh, we are already in high gear. Now we're going to put it in ultra high gear. Look at verse number 15. We see here, notice uh, the right uh, pursuit, but now the right place. Quickly, in conclusion, verse number 15, the Bible says, uh, in the midst thereof, it says, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Where should the child of God be? Where should the church be, the body of Christ? Not on the sidelines. 
But down, if you will, in the thick of things, on the front lines, a church and people that have their sleeves rolled up, people that are not idle but active. And God help us tonight to have the right kind of pursuit. And the Lord would have us to tarry on those few initial verses. I believe that's on purpose. I have no idea why. But here we see in conclusion the great need for us to be in the right place. God wants us out in this whole world. He wants us to be in the thick of the lost, if you will, in the world but not of the world. God wants to use your life and God wants to use your testimony to make a difference. Verse number 15, the Bible says, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see the right purpose. We need to have the right pursuit tonight. And if your pursuit is not right, we need to get right with God. You need to be in the right place. If you're not in the right place, you need to get right with God concerning this. Are you actively seeking for opportunities to reach people with the gospel? Are you looking for ways? Because we go from one little blip to the next. We got a little Christian home. We got a little Christian car with a little Christian music. We got this little spiritual bubble of the Holy Ghost force field around us as we're at the store and at Walmart and various errands and things that we do with having no interaction and no involvement with a lost and dying world. And we get a little Christian car, we go to a little Christian church, and God's saying, what? Now, we would be in the midst. I challenge every single one of you ladies, listen, tonight's Wednesday, you've still got some grocery shopping this week or errands to run, grab gospel tracks there that have been collecting dust in the purse or maybe in the dashboard of the vehicle or in the glove compartment. Maybe it's something you're not even prepared, no ammunition, if you will, in the gun belt or in the pocketbook. And, and man, grab some tracks there from the foyer of the church or wherever they're at. I pray that you have a track rack. And man, that you would equip yourself and say, I'm about to go to this store. Oh God, who are the five people? Who are the three souls that you bring across my path? Oh, God, we may not be able to have a conversation, but at least you can use me to be in the right place at the right time to pass on hope and help. It's found in Jesus. The right place, the right purpose. God wants me to shine. A whole other message in the concept of what's the hindrances of things that cause us to not shine. Bible talks about a bushel, a bed, and a basement. There's a message there. We see number four and in conclusion tonight. Verse number 16, holding forth the word of life. When the Lord gave me these truths here just this past week, prayerfully I worded it this way, the right passion the right passion. Holding forth the word of life is a conscientious decision. You know what? I'm not going to put anything else in my hand but this book. I want people to know about this because this is what can transform and change lives. This is what can bring hope to any broken marriage. This is what can bring a prodigal home. This is what will break the heart of stone this has the answer everybody needs from cover to cover. This is the only source of absolute truth in the entire universe. And Lord, help me, oh God, to have the right kind of passion that even though it may be made fun of and it may be blasphemed and it may be laughed at by this whole world and it's not popular, but God, by your grace and your spirit, with thy anointing, I want and I crave, I desire, oh God, the right kind of passion to hold this book forth. Hold it high. Hold it high. This book right here, 
is what this country needs. We don't need a new president. We need a new president who's going to follow this book. We don't need a new political party. We need a people that are going to follow this book. America was built upon this book. It's the preaching of this book that shaped this country. And by the way, that's not blowing smoke or tickling the back of our ears. That is documented history. And we need Christians right now in 2021 who are done playing games. And that's not accusing anybody in this room of playing games. Just in case we've begun to grow a little apathetic or, I don't know, you have the right kind of pursuit tonight. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.